Hi, welcome to Promo Insiders, an ASI media podcast that covers the issues that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm Chris Ruvo for ASI, and today we'll be tackling a tough topic, a reported surge in worker absences in promo due to the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Here to provide key insights are Matt Hare and Josh Diamond. Matt is Vice President of Environmental Health and Safety at Top 40 Supplier Hit Promotional Products. Josh is Employee Health and Wellness Manager at Hit. Like many industry firms, HIT's workforce has seen a rise in absences due to the virus. Still, the HIT team has implemented sound strategies to keep workers safe as possible and to navigate the issues with relatively minimal impact. Today, we'll talk about how promo companies are coping with the absentee surge. We'll also look at how long the impacts might last and discuss best practices for keeping employees safe and healthy. Matt and Josh, thanks for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on all right, I'll just set the stage a little bit more. I think everybody's aware of it, but, um, you know, of course, within the last, say, six weeks, month and a half, um, you know, all industries have experienced uh, worker shortages or, or increased worker absences um, as a result of, of the latest variant. Uh, promo, of course, was no exception. Um, Matt, you and I uh, discussed, uh, you, you provided some excellent insights for an article that we did a, a week or so ago on the situation. Um, you know, just a quick recap in, in promo. We had spoken to some supplier firms, not hit, but but at least a couple other, where as much as 20% of the workforce was in some fit, some way impacted by Omicron. They either had it and were out, or, they're, or they had to be home with their kids because of quarantine and things like that. So obviously, when you have impacts like that, it can it can cause um, you know a significant impact on operations. I guess you could say. So with 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 that background in mind. Um, guys, just what is what has the situation been like at Hit? What what are labor levels at now, and what what were they like over the last month or so? Yeah, I would say for the majority of the month of January, we're heavily impacted. Um, you know, we had roughly 96 employees out. You know, across all of our facilities at different times. So for us, our our focus was you know just more or less moving personnel around to key areas as as customer needs shifted. Right. So I you know, I think at different times of the year, different items are exploding. So Right now, it's ceramics, embroidery, um, you know, bottles going into New Year resolutions. So, you know, for us, we just looked at all of our daily order requirements and started just shifting personnel where we needed them. Right. And then we kind of implemented like a lean team where, you know, as we saw items kind of or areas falling behind, that group would just go and start tackling and getting those areas caught back up. So while we saw a lot of you know outages we saw a lot of key improvements that we've done from efficiencies actually take place and showcase themselves so you know throughout covid we've really learned how to promote build you know educate and get people set up for you know when we do have outages you know like we did you know we were kind of in a really good position you know based off of two years of experimenting on what works what doesn't work what can we move around you know so on and so forth so while we saw negatives there was also a lot of positives that hit saw that's that's pretty interesting. So um, I want to come back to that. I want to talk more about some of those best practices and what you learned. But um, just with, with kind of the top line issue, um, where are things now? You, you mentioned at one point, 96 workers were out for you guys personally. Has that number started to come down? Has has it started to tip the other way? You know, reading headlines saying, oh, maybe the worst of this this latest surge is passed. Are you seeing that bear out in reality just at, at your organization? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, and, and I'll let Josh go into it because uh, a little bit more because he's the numbers guy. But, 
you know, for HIT, we were able to see the increase prior to the actual global, you know, market or whatever actually really see it. So, you know, we were about two weeks ahead of it. We caught it because we do daily, you know, um, COVID tracking. So we saw the spike. It was coming. It was coming. We were about two weeks ahead of it. And, you know, we were able to get some sound safeties in place and precautions put in to where we were able to protect as much as we could of our workforce, right? Um, and then, you know, we're kind of on the back end of the slope now. Um, we still have some outages, but nothing anywhere like massively crazy where we're like, oh man, we need to shift resources or personnel or anything like that. You know, it's your one or two people out of a, you know, random department or so on and so forth, but nothing, nothing staggering. But yeah, I would definitely say we're, we're on the back end of it. Definitely this strand, you know, but now it's just, you know, what did we do good this one and what do we need to do for the next strand, right? So I think, like I said, this one, we saw a lot of positives on our tracking side, you know, with the implementation of Josh into his role, you know, we were able to, you know, work with community partners, be tracking World Health Organization, you know, information on it. So we we knew right away exactly what we needed to do and how fast we needed to execute it. So, um, you know, it, it, it worked out a lot better than we have in the past. That's, that's fantastic to hear. It's really nice to hear that you're kind of coming on the other other side of it now. That's great. Josh, did you want to chime in with anything there, either numbers or just insights into th things that, that y'all did to just make this work and kind of get it on the other side of it now? Yeah, sure. Like Matt said, we did see, because of our COVID tracking, uh, we did see our numbers start to move about 10 days before the community started reporting the same thing. Um, luckily, Everyone here is very proactively minded and we were able to implement some control measures mm -hmm. um, to get a hold of things before they grew out of proportion. We were able to keep a good handle on things. And now we're seeing our case incidents come down. Mm -hmm. Just like everywhere else, case positivity is high. So people mm -hmm. who do get sick likely have Omicron, but we're seeing less people getting sick. Okay. All right. Good to know. Now, not just talking about HIT, and this is, I, I know this is a bit of a difficult question because who really knows, but um, not just talking about HIT, but industry-wide, do you have some sense where, the, when this might start to kind of decelerate for the industry, just in talking to, you know, to peers, um, just to talking to other folks in the industry, when we might actually start to see, okay, the absent rate is going to really start to come, you know, decline, or, or rather the par worker participation rate is going to go up, people are going to be back on the yeah. job. Yeah. I, I would say just for my sense, you know, I know Josh doesn't deal with, he's more like the internal guy, but, you know, just, you know, having some feelers around the industry and the world, you know, we have, you know, facilities in multiple different states, right? So, we, you know, what we're starting to see is it's starting to come down. The problem is, is like Jay, uh, Josh was saying that the case positivity is very high. So like it might only be one or two cases, but they're usually both positives or both, mm -hmm. you know, um, so on and so forth. So you're starting to see a lot more of that, less cases, but more positive rate. Um, and then, you know, with, you know, contact tracing, then you have outages and so on and so forth. So like, you know, I, I think you're going to start to see that down in the, in the, across the community and, and across the industry. You know, I just think everywhere is going to be slightly different based upon their, you know, response to COVID, right? You know, I right. think everybody has to figure out what works for their operation, you know, what works for their team or internally, and then I'll allow them to dictate when they should be able to get back to work, whether it's, you know, two weeks, three weeks, 10 days, you know, it just really depends. You know, every every place is different. And, and I think that's the biggest key to when you're putting together COVID response plans is what we do at one building might not be good for another building based off of demographics or response areas or so on and so forth. You know, what we do in Florida might not be what we do in our Ohio or New Jersey facilities because of, 
you know, winter months or so on and so forth. So there's, there's a lot that goes into how we discuss our response to COVID. Um, and then what does the case management look like? What is the case load? What does the community look like? You know, community risk levels is really high. And that's how we were able to really see that we were ahead of it. You know, at one point we were like two or 300 times more likely to get COVID at hit than you were in the, going to the grocery store. So, you know, you know, things like that, we were able to, you know, chime in on and see right away and then allow ourselves to say, okay, Hey, what do we need to do? You know, we can't have people outside all day cause it's raining, you know, all right, what do we need to do inside? You know? So there's, there was a lot of cool things that we were able to key off this time that, you know, we didn't really have visibility on, you know, previous times before. All right. Yeah. So one of the, one of the biggest takeaways I'm kind of hearing and you stop me if I got it wrong is that you really have to deal in, in responding to this, you have to deal with, what's happening in that immediate community where, where the, where, where the facility is located and kind of, you can't have just a blanket plan for everywhere. It has to be, what's the, what's the local situation here with COVID? How are things happening in the community? What kind of impacts are we seeing? And you, that has to, you mm -hmm. kind of got to enter that into some kind of matrix, if you will, and, and, yeah. and, and, and come up with the right response. It, it can't be a blanket. It has to be, we have to deal with the specifics at hand here. Yeah, so that's what that's what we did. And I'll let Josh kind of go into the number side of it. But essentially what we did was we looked at the community or region around us that our employees, you know, work and live in. And then we dictated those numbers and, and said, okay, where are we versus the community? And then that's our that was our, you know, COVID response at that point. So um, you know, I know I'll let him kind of take over, but essentially that that risk number is what's really important. And that for us is when that risk number was very high, we're like, oh, wait, we got to get that risk number way, way down. Because if that risk number stays too high, you know, that's when you really start to see massive employee outages. Um, okay. So um, if you want to go yeah, into absolutely. explaining the, the ratio that we used. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a relative risk ratio. Um, you can think of it as an odds ratio. Um, basically, we're taking the greater population, we're measuring the level of virus, and then we are comparing that to what we're seeing in our test population, our employees. Okay. You're able to measure how much excess risk you might have in our employees relative to the greater population. And mm -hmm. Matt was correct. At, at one point, this would have been August or September of last yeah. year. At one point, we were seeing something like a you're twice as likely to contract COVID while you're at hit. And now we're seeing a much lower relative risk that's somewhere around... 17%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, when you start looking at your ratio, you have a higher, you know, risk of going to the grocery store or the gas station or anything else like that and, mm -hmm. you know, contracting the virus. So as long as we stay, you know, our goal is to either stay at community risk level and or, or, or lower, that's really our goal, you know, because, you know, the last thing that anybody wants to do, you know, whether it's, you know, um, you know, wear a mask or social distance. Anybody wants to do is is what they do outside of work, right? They don't want to do anything massively different than how they want to live their life. So, you know, for us is, you know, we've left some key precautions in place. People that want to wear a mask can wear a mask. People that want to social distance can social distance. If they prefer to share their vaccine rate, uh, you know, um, you know, all of that stuff is, is voluntary at this point. You know, we do have times where we go back and forth and we put mandates in place from a company perspective, but, you know, essentially we allow everybody to, to do what they feel is right to protect themselves and others. Um, and, and, and it's, like I said, we've had a lot of success with it. We've had a lot of people understand, um, you know, when Omicron was taken off, 
you know, we saw it and then we just saw a couple people turn positive. And before we even as a company were saying, hey, mask or ahead, employees were already putting masks on. So, you know, you know we have a lot of, uh, of visibility and, and, and vigilance across the industry, you know, our industry buildings mm -hmm. and, and, you know, aspects. So it's worked out, you know, a couple different times now. Yeah. Um, just I'm not I'm I'm not an expert in it like you guys. So help just help me understand how do we use that risk ratio number in determining strategy? How did like how you so you got that number? What what's your action based off like that? Like what is the next step there? Right. So you can re you can remeasure every week. Okay. You can track what your relative risk is compared to the greater population. In our case, we were comparing to the county here, Pinellas County. So when you're able to track that that excess level of risk from week to week, and you keep in mind the disease process somewhere between 10 to 14 days on average, you're able to generally figure out what your control measures are doing to your excess risk. Yeah. And for us, as we, we measured weekly because that was essentially the most accurate data that we could get from our local officials, Correct. right? So when we were measuring weekly, we were able to see like, all right, hey, we saw increase, increase, increase. And then we saw the kind of the plateau and then we started to see the decrease. So for us is, you know, measuring weekly, you know, everybody's kind of different. That's why most, um, you know, in, people in the industry, they got to look at their community area. And that's what I was saying is it's very specialized to what you need to do per the area that you live in, because what happens in Pinellas County, Florida is going to be a lot different than what you might see in upstate New York, you know? Nice. So, um, you know, it's very important to understand what your population is, what your population's mm -hmm. risk percentages, and then what that's going to translate to inside your facility. And then for us, we were able to say, oh, wow, okay, our risk is actually very high right now because of the number of people outside and then the people of inside the facilities are now, you know, contracting and spreading the virus. So we were able to see it right away and, and then, you know, really start putting benchmarks in place, mass, social distancing, stuff that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, but, you know, not maybe not so much stuff that we stressed during the summer months. Like we saw last year where yeah. we, you know, we had a long stretch where we didn't really have any cases, you know, it was very yeah. minimal, one or two or three or four, you know, it wasn't anything excessive. And then, you know, we had the explosion, you know, towards the back end of the year. But, you know, that's where, you know, I, a lot of the precautions come into play is we, we already knew how to execute because we have gone through it before. We already knew the plans, the procedures. We activated our business continuity plan. You know, there was a lot of good that we that we've learned over the past two years that this time around, I feel like we were pretty on top of it. Oh, yeah. All right. That's really, really interesting stuff. And, um, you know, you had a alluded to Matt to some best practices before things that you just said again now things you've learned um so kind of my next question is kind of based around that that you know you you had um you know there, there were that 96 workers out can you just maybe discuss some of the specifics of how you moved folks around how you allocated resources to keep things you know, to keep productivity moving because it, it it seems that productivity has remained high it hit dis, despite you know the surge yeah so for us you know the past couple of years just with employee outages at different times you know we've really focused on you know building up our workforce whether it was mm -hmm. training or education or you know trying out of new positions and you know just flexibility across our workforce you know mm -hmm. um I'll tell you from the top all the way down at hit promotional products, everyone is, has been on the floor working, you know, from CJ all the way down, you know, we, we've been just, it, it doesn't matter. It's been an all hands approach and that's what's really kept hit grinding and, and a lot of, 
you know, high stress situations because, you know, everyone's been committed to moving forward. And, you know, the employees like it too, you know, seeing, you know, senior level, you know, on the floor working with them to help build them up and get them into roles. Um, it's really paid off. And, you know, I think this time around, it really showcased itself when, you know, like you said, we had very limited um, complaints on shipping issues or anything like that or not meeting customer timelines. You know, for us, it, it, that was a, a big focus on uh, building our workforce and, and promoting them to be better. And, and you know, it, it's paid off. You know, there's been a lot of times where, you know, COVID where we had to move somebody or somebody had to go backwards to, to get the job done. And, you know, I think, you know, overall, the hit team is stepped up to the occasion i would say matt along those same lines that we've done a pretty good job of i wouldn't say redundancy but building like fallbacks into our managerial and supervisory roles yeah someone were to go sick that that's not going to impact operations in a negative because we have someone who has been trained or developed to step in, into that yeah. position Okay. Yeah, so, and, that, and that happens at not only the production level, but if that's managerial backups. Is, is yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. So, you know, I'll, I'll give a very good uh, example is, you know, my team had COVID go through it, whether it was myself and, you know, uh, I was out of town traveling. My my ops manager for safety came down with COVID. And then, you know, we have redundancies like Josh to step right into his play. And, you know, essentially had no issues. You know, we, we were we, you know, we were still rolling from the safety standpoint. There's mm -hmm. still audits being done and, you know, protections, you know, being completed. So like, you know, that, that's been the biggest thing was hit is redundancy, education, building, morale development. You know, that's really been one of our focus uh, of improving the culture here. And I, and I, I think it's really paid off, you know, especially this time around. Can't say it enough. This time around, we I feel like we, while we were heavily impacted and saw a lot of things, it, it was, you know, no one had the massive stress out moment where, you know, something wasn't going right with like everyone knew exactly what they needed to do. They moved right into their play. They got their teams in line. And then, you know, we just, we kept on trucking. And it seems like you really needed to have all those different factors in place from, from those upfront assessments that let you know risk to then, Hey, okay, we have a plan in place for when we see these kinds of risks, these are the type of actions we want to consider taking, you know, um, to then, hey, we prepared in, in advance with these with this redundancy training. So we have worker backups from production up to managerial level. So all that stuff, I guess the, the one word I'm looking for, you have to prepare well in advance for all this. You can't just be in the moment and react to it. There has to be that level of preparation. And then it sounds like you have to adapt it on the ground as as the situation becomes what it is, so to speak. Yeah, and, and where a lot of our business continuity plan has really come into play. Like over the past few years, we have really strived to develop our community uh, continuity program in in pre preparation standpoints. You know, we were, you know, we we have facilities across the country now that have different impacts, and we have to be prepared for it. You know, not only just COVID. You know, you think about you know, weather events in Florida, we can get hit by a hurricane or a tornado. So, you know, the, there's a lot that goes into the preparation, the response, and then the recovery of, of an incident. And, you know, for us, as you know, like you said, as alluded to, is, you know, we put a lot of time and money and eggs in a basket for the preparation standpoint. So this way we can make the response and the recovery that much more efficient. So a lot of upfront, but, you know, in the back end, it's paid off. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. We did have a question come in. I'll just throw it to you guys. Um, uh, the questioner asks, this was on LinkedIn, um, do you think suppliers and distributors will be open to hiring remote contractors outside the U.S.? So, I, 
Yes and no. You know, I, I think uh, from the outside the U.S., you know, I think just depending on the the, the world, you know, where it sits. And, I, and I, the reason why I say that is just because, you know, different countries have had different type of response methods to COVID throughout the entire time, whether it was lockdowns or mandates or so on and so forth. So I, I think while, you know, you'll start to see some outside contractors, you know, definitely making a splash in the industry, you know, here locally and abroad. I think you're still going to have some U.S. based, you know, contracts that are going to, you know, still still hold tight just because of, you know, our I wouldn't say complete openness, but, you know, openness with COVID and our response methods and so on and so forth. I just think there's still some countries in the world that are still limited and, you know, working through some impacts and, and so on and so forth. So I think that remote is is going to be difficult. Like I said, I'm not an economist or anything else like that. I'm just. You know what what i see every day on the news and you know reading COVID articles that you know i just still think that there's some impacts across the world that are just haven't been worked through all the way you agree with that josh or do you do you see that see that that's the way it's playing out or do you, do you see, have a different take whether or not those sort of things will switch more from a domestic to a global perspective i i really don't know i'd say that you probably will retain some of that domestic capability um, as far as global, it is really hard to determine how they, how different countries have been impacted, how different suppliers can provide those goods. So, um, yeah, you might have to ask an economist. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. It's an awesome question. Yeah. You know, that's a challenging question. You know, I, I definitely think just the biggest thing is, is not knowing exactly what you know, I think in some countries you might be pretty safe with going with a contractor, but I think there's, you know, there's still some question marks across the world that, you know, haven't been, you know, either fulfilled or, you know, not moving back in the right direction or so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I would, I would just use caution if I could use, Absolutely. you know, any type of guidance would just be use caution, you know, maybe do some vetting, you know, so on and so forth. It sounds like maybe the answer is yes. It's an option that could be on the table. It's, it's one that you'd have to look at, but you'd have to do a some pretty serious risk assessment before deciding to to take that jump at the, at yeah the, especially if your whole operation is going to be based off of it yeah absolutely yeah so. yeah okay all right good guys you've been really generous with your time we hit a, a lot of the things i was hoping to go over um are there just some some big takeaways um that, that you'd like to offer or just whether it be best practices or just insights into the current situation with omicron just any anything it might be that that folks should leave um you know this podcast with I, I would say for me is just make sure that you have redundancy. You know, we, I can't stress that enough. We've learned it and, and, you know, really look at the four pillars of continuity and, and, you know, drive your business to that. Uh, you know, it's really, it's paid some dividends. I'm not saying that we're experts. We have a long way to go internally as, as well as in the, within the industry, but, you know, you know, hit in general has invested a lot of time and effort and, and, you know, um, developing that section of our business to where, we, we can use it as a foundation to support ourselves when, you know, things happen, whether it's, you know, COVID or, you know, a tornado or, you know, anything like that. So I, I would just make sure that enough time is, you know, more or less set aside to remember those key fa uh, functions and build around them. Redundancy, employee morale, um, education, support, you know, guidance, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think that'll help as we continue to navigate the unknown. Um, you know, we're two years into this and uh, I think uh, there's still a lot to be learned. There's just still a lot to be developed and, and guided and, and, you know, just got to be ahead of it and, you know, just use your community partners. Absolutely. You know, that's our biggest thing is, is, you know, we don't know it all. We're not doctors. We're not scientists. So 
you know, there's people out there in the world that, you know, have given us a lot of great information. We have a lot of good support staff at our local health department and um, different states. So, you know, we, we utilize these resources daily. So, you know, I, I would encourage everybody to, to do the same. So, okay. How about you, Josh? Oh, I, I have to piggyback on the, you, you've got to start building coalitions uh, with the, your stakeholders in, in your area of operations. Uh, Matt touched on the fact that we've been working with our local health department. We've been able to get uh, nearly 20% of our workforce vaccinated just through those clinics, all free costs to us. They are helping us invest in our workforce and we are helping to protect the community. So if you, if you can really, um, all, all of that time that you spend developing those stakeholder relationships absolutely comes back to you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, guys, words of wisdom, Matt Hare, Josh Diamond, thank you so much for um, being with us today. I, I feel like I learned some stuff. I hope this wasn't too painful for you guys. I and uh, awesome. Best, best of luck with everything going forward. It sounds like you guys are on as top of this as anybody can be, given how things change and just how dynamic a situation it is. So best of luck with everything going forward. Thank you again. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you.